Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Nikola Djurgic i mitten av mars presenterades av Hammarby hamnade övergången lite i skuggan av återvändaren Erkan Sengen. Medan Sengens avtryck blev både litet och kortvarigt har Djurgic målskytte och vinnarskalle lyft Hammarby till höjd av klubben inte varit i närheten av på över ett decennium. I den här podden erkänner han att det var med viss tvekan han skrev på för Hammarby men att han nu tror på klubbens potential. I didn't I was never really attracted uh, to play for a club that's middle of the table satisfied with some other things than winning. What Jesper made me believe is that Hammarby can be next uh, FC Copenhagen or Malmö in Scandinavia and uh, that when the snowball starts rolling it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Med tio matcher kvar av säsongen 2018 har Hammarby fortfarande vittring på SM-guldet. Men mycket avgörs i derbyt mot AIK på söndag. Ett derby utöver det vanliga och där Djurgic hoppas kunna fokusera på fotbollen till skillnad mot senaste derbyt mot Djurgården. A little bit of uh, smoke going back in. Poof, I think that really killed my buzz before the derby against Djurgården. Going back to dressing room after warm up for 30 minutes. I, I know what happened there but uh, I completely lost the adrenaline I have to be honest. Utöver detta pratar vi om hans uppgörelse med Jonas Olsson i senaste derbyt. Hans brokiga karriär som tagit honom till sju olika klubbar på sex år. Om genombrottet i Norge, kaoset i Serbien och om tiden i Malmö FF som fick ett snöpligt och kanske oväntat slut. Jag never really had this connection with Daniel Andersson. Det jag hade för exempel med Åge, det jag hade med Jesper. Jag har aldrig känt att han verkligen respekterar mig som spelare. Men som vanligt inleder vi podden med en fakta ute. H32. Where do you live? Uh, Söderman. Family? Married one kid, daughter. Education? Uh, high school and uh, beginning university, but only one year. Salary? Big one. Car? Uh, next week. What hobbies do you have? Uh, basketball. Uh, movies. What languages do you speak? Uh, Serbian, English, German, pretty much Swedish, Norwegian. Uh, according to you, who's the best player in the history of football? 
cannot say best, but my favorite Thierry Henry. Uh, what is the biggest moment you've had in your football career? Uh, playing for national team and uh, debut goal against Schalke last minute away. What's uh, the best prize or medal that you've won as a football player? To play Champions League with Malmö. Which is your favorite team? Um, I don't have one. What kind of trash talk do you hear on the pitch? Do I hear? I just hear myself with the trash talk. It's not nice. What do you say? Uh, I don't think the opponents like me that much, just to say it that way. Which is the best player that you played with? That I played with? Uh, Raul Bobadilla. And uh, the toughest opponent that you've... Uh... Pepe. In your career, what have you practiced most? Is there a detail or anything that you really tried to make better? Uh, finishing, probably. Is there anything you can be... That when you see another player, I want to have his skill in dribbling or anything. What makes you envious of other players? I'm envious of uh, Harry Kane's right foot and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, jumping. Do you have a goal that you watch on YouTube that you've scored to get in the, the mood? Um, that goal against Schalke. What's the most expensive thing you own? Apartment. What's your favorite swear word? Uh, I'm not sure I could say that. It's Serbian bad word, so... What makes you afraid? Heights. When was the last time you were really happy? Mm. Last time I was playing with my daughter. When was the last time you cried? I never cried. Paulsen med inlägget mot Djurgic! Och ett mål Hammarby! Och där dyker han upp. Nikola Djurgic! Paulsen. Han mot Djurgic! Oj, oj, oj! Så stark av Djurgic! Med sina tio mål är Nikola Djurgic Hammarbys främste målskytt den här säsongen. Men frågan är om inte hans vinnarskalle betytt mest för ett lag som länge haft lite av en loserstämpel på sig. När nu ett avgörande derby mot AIK närmar sig lär hans kompromisslösa spelstid komma väl till pass. Även om det inte riktigt räckte till i senaste derbyt mot Djurgården. We've seen you playing in a mask lately. How's the nose? It's okay. It's much better now. But uh, the mask, I would rather play without it. But I have to have it for three more weeks, I think. Does it protect uh, the mask? In, in... I think so. I think it does. It's pretty solid uh, material. But uh, it also makes it hard when your pass is 180, 190. It makes it hard to breathe and hard to head the ball. And very hard to see the ball when it's around you so it's uh inconvenient when you got hurt did you realize how bad it was with I thought I thought it was worse I thought it was worse because uh, I was completely completely out for a couple of seconds I think my nose went like completely to the right side and I heard a crack in my head so I knew something was pretty bad so I was fra- afraid to to stand in front of the mirror and uh, First two weeks didn't look so good. Now I think it's getting back. So I never had a pretty nose. I never was a pretty boy. So it's not much of a big deal. And uh, the coach of Hammarby said that even though you were injured in your nose, he couldn't stop you from playing. Don't you have any fear of going out when you've just cracked your nose like that? No, not really. It's a nose. I'm happy it's not my foot or my knee or something. Going out with the, with a mask and uh, do the 
opponents try to do anything or do they say anything? They tried the, the derby. In what way? They tried to hit where it hurts the most. Okay. Uh, you had some tough uh, duels in, in the derby. Jonas Olsson, uh, uh, I don't know if you were friends outside of the pitch or not. No, no, definitely not. Uh, but uh, I like what he is. He is a captain. He stepped up for it for his team, and he, in one way, he took me out of the game, and uh, that's what a captain should do. He got away with it, and uh, I'm not happy about that. And I think uh, referees should protect players from stuff like this. And it's not coincidence that he's the one who did it. So, uh, but he got away with it, and uh, full respect from my side for him for doing that. Uh, it was maybe a little bit dirty play, but uh, I like it. How much did it hurt to, to lose the derby at home? Uh, it was the worst feeling since I came to the club. This game and the game against Aiko, to lose those two games home, it's, uh, it's, uh, it hurts a lot, especially when you don't have a game for two, more we two weeks after. There is nothing to fix it, so it still hurts. Do you know why you lose games like that, or AIK at home? Hammarby at home, do you know what, or Jilgården at home, do you know what you lack? Uh, I think we were, especially against Aiko, it was a 0-0 game all day long, it was never supposed to be 0-1. Again, one the referee's decision that was maybe doubtful, I think it was a 0-0 game. Uh, uh, also that game we had Malmö three days before, we were a little bit tired, they had a free week, so that maybe made the difference against Jilgården. They just wanted to win more than we did, and uh, it's simple as that. We were not tough enough. So derbies, you have to you have to go out to kill if you want to win the game. So we didn't do it. Looking at the, this season, Hammarby is in. I mean, in the top. Looking a couple of seasons back, that would be a really good result. But since you've been at the very top for a long time, there. The demands from fans and from yourself probably changed, or or how do you look at it? If you don't reach the winning the title but still being in the top three or something, is that okay? Uh, top three, I, I would say it's uh, maybe for me. First place is priority. Second place would definitely feel like failure. But it's uh, very hard to compete uh, with a team that didn't lose for more than thirty games and the team that has. Uh, no loss in the season. They have no. They don't make any mistakes. And uh, uh, in that kind of perspective, it's not good enough. In maybe perspective, when you look the past couple of years for Hammarby, it's fantastic season. But I don't care about that. I still want to win the title, and I still I still uh, see the chance. Yeah, but you've said many times in the interviews that you think you will win the the gold. Do you still believe that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I look forward to the derby. But as I said, we, we cannot afford uh, any more mistakes. It's been uh, too many too many points sold. You're going into uh, one game against Sirius first and then you have uh, the derby against AIK. Looking back now, when you've lost some points and made some mistakes, what do you think uh, can be added to Hammarby that can uh, make up to that for, for maybe next season or to make it an even stronger team? Uh, definitely, I think the the thing what uh, Hammarby changed this year is the mentality and the desire to win the games, and the culture in the club that uh, one point is not enough. This is what we changed, but uh, I think we have to be a little bit more stable to have a little bit more of that uh, security. Like if you score one goal in a game, you definitely has to take at least one point. You you cannot need to score three or four goals to win games against Dalkurd. 3-2 against Sundsvall, 4-3, stuff like this. I think we need to be more stable and to have a little bit more uh, security to play a little bit more on result than for fun. Because these fans, uh, they uh, want uh, good football. Uh, they want uh, to finish every attack with some nice move with finishing. Sometimes it's not like that in football. Sometimes you have to play on result. And I think we have to be more mature in that way. Sometimes... Still some minutes at the end, you don't have to win uh, nicely or sexy, you just have to take the points. Uh, Jesper Jansson, who you know from uh, Helsingborg, uh, who is uh, one of the 
architects behind Hamabi now, he talks a lot about changing the culture to create a winning culture because that hasn't been the thing in Hamabi. They only have one title. Is it possible to change a, a winning culture and how do you do it? That was the first thing he told me when he called me before I came to Hammarby. He wants to change the, the culture. He don't want to make this Hammarby to be likable for every other team. And uh, how you do it? I think you do it on trainings. I think you do it on meetings. And then I think you do it when you go out on the game and show attitude that you want to win every game. And uh, uh, disappointment after games that you don't win has to be big. And that's the changing, changing of the culture. Even when you win, you look for the mistakes. And then, uh, uh, yeah, I think also it's about the kind of players that you bring into the team. Have you noticed a difference from uh, when you came in March to how it is now in September? Is there a different in, difference in culture? Definitely. I think so. I think we set uh, some standards in the club that were not here before. And uh, uh, I think uh, also people expect a lot more from from us and we have more responsibility. So uh, we know. But now the pressure is also coming. So it's going to be fun to see last 10 games when everybody wants you to win every game. It's going to be fun to see. But those guys there, I think we have some uh, winning heads in the team. How much has it meant that you joined the team? What have you added coming in with a winning culture? I mean, you speak about the, uh, it doesn't have to be sexy football, it's important to win. How much did you add to this? I think I had uh, my own, uh, uh, what I've learned in my career and what I have maybe from my uh, back home from uh, Serbia, that mentality that uh, even when you watch Juventus, for example, and those superstars and they are leading 1-0 three minutes before the end, they can also go down steal some seconds, do something, make a smart yellow card, professional free kick, stuff like that. That's for me a winning culture and that's what I try to bring into the team. Sometimes I do it in the meetings, sometimes I... Maybe some of the guys, the, the guys don't like it, but I still think that's the right way because after all, when you win, everybody forgets after two hours how you won the game. It's all the points that count and that's my maybe my main role uh, this year not always so much about football qualities but uh, some other things outside the pitch you uh, belonged to malmo a couple of years ago and in swedish football everyone talks about malmo having this winning culture they've won the most championships and what is the difference you've played for both clubs what's the difference with the culture in malmo and the culture in hammarby uh also i think that's uh, that's that uh, that european uh, spirit that you can feel in Malmö, that experience they have from Europe and then also I think it's uh, Makan as well. Makan, Marcus Rosenberg. I think he makes so much difference. Uh, in trainings, uh, the way he talks, the way he acts and then uh, also what he does in the games, he makes so much difference. Uh, he brings so much to that team and I think he's still, un, un, uh, he, they cannot afford to lose him still. Uh, looking to uh, this year in, in Hammarby, you came after they've lost against Frey 4-1. They had a had a pretty tough preseason, and still uh, uh, you you uh, chose to join them. And what was your expectations when you came and you saw them losing against Frey? Uh, actually, I was thinking, where the hell am I going to after I saw that game? But that was the, the day I came to Stockholm to meet uh, Stefan Bilborn and uh, Yuki and Pablo. And after this game, uh, uh, Stefan came to me, we just met and he told me, no, Nico, we lost 4-1 against first division team, but uh, I think we're doing well. And I saw what I wanted to see and he said, uh, we are on the right path. And I was thinking, what is this guy talking about? But uh, a couple of months later, it all made, made sense. Uh, looking from the outside, you seem to be a different character than Stefan Bilborn. He's a little bit more shy and uh, perhaps not that strong character as you are. How, how, what's your view of Stefan Bilborn as a coach? I think he's a, he's a fresh air. In, in the, when I look back to the coaches I had, it, really, it feels good to have him. He has so much uh, tolerance and uh, his communication with the player is fantastic. So... I think uh, it really feels good to have him as a coach because sometimes 
in this sport you get tired of uh, assholes and uh, guys who try to brainwash you. So it feels good to have him. Uh, looking to uh, one of the, the coaches who joined was Jocke Björklund, uh, who was kind of, I mean, we know him in Sweden as a great player, but we really know him as a coach. And some people say that he, he has had quite an influence uh, on Hammarby. What do you think? Yeah, he does a lot behind the scenes, so to say. He's, uh, it's very, very important that he's been through a lot in his career and he knows how to say it to the other guys. And uh, uh, also he's maybe in charge for our defense, but he also says, like, I don't care, we are the kind of team that uh, wins uh, by scoring goals, by scoring one goal more than opponent. So he's not crazy about keeping the zero all the time. And uh, so he knows the style that we play, we're going to suffer sometimes. But I think he's doing a fantastic job and um, uh, it's sometimes really really fun and interesting to, to listen to him talking about football. You, since you've played in, in Sweden both for Helsingborg and, and Malmö, what was your view of Hammarby before? It was not that nice to be honest, ex- except the fans and the nice uh, things around the club. Uh, I, didn't, I was never really attracted uh, to play for a club that's middle of the table, satisfied with some other things than winning. Uh, but then uh, when Jesper called me, I know Jesper from before, I know how he's thinking, and when he told me about the about the ideas he have, and uh, also a pretty big part had the agent Michael Kalbeck, who, although when I cancelled my contract with Randes, I had a lot of offers, he uh, convinced me to be patient, to wait for Hammarby, it took over a month, but uh, I'm really happy that I waited. Yeah, and uh, what did Hammarby sell to you? Except, uh, I guess, a good contract. But what did they sell in as an idea of coming here? Uh, uh, what Jesper made me believe is that Hammarby can be next uh, FC Copenhagen or Malmö in Scandinavia. And uh, that when the snowball starts rolling, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And I think we are on the right way now. How is it to enter Tele2 Arena in, before a game? How do you how do you experience it? Ah, it's special. I love it. I really love playing here. And uh, phew, I, I wish uh, I wish uh, we had even more fans. To be honest, I expected a little bit more euphoria around the team now that we were doing so well. And uh, but then the summer came with the vacations, so I expected still a little bit extra from the fans as well. Maybe we are spoiled because we have over 20,000 every game, but uh, it's been a fantastic season, so I would like them to do a little bit extra and push us because we, we depend on them. How, since you've played in Haugesund in Norway for many years, you also played in Denmark and in Sweden, uh, how do you rank playing in front of Hammarby's fans compared to other wares in Scandinavia and in Sweden? Uh, it's uh, completely insane. Hammarby fans are something special. Especially when I see Monday evening game away against Trelleborg. There's over a thousand of them there. It's not easy to get there. People are working. I, I have so much respect for these people. And uh, But I also know it's not because we're winning. It's it's that culture that Hammarby has. So it's beautiful to see. And uh, it's something that, uh, for example, uh, you... I would like to have maybe back home in Serbia, it would be nice to have this, but it's not like that. So it's 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 fantastic. Uh, coming into uh, this uh, game against AIK, uh, how how do you feel going into a derby? I mean, there's a lot of crowd and uh, atmosphere, but also last derby we saw a flare thrown. And uh, how do you, what's your view of this? Uh, I think we should also respect the fans, and they have their own way of expressing. But still, uh, we have to we have to be realistic and say the stupid things that doesn't belong to stadium. So I have respect for maybe piratery or whatever. I come from a country where when we play the derby, everybody goes crazy. We have a lot of uh, flares, whatever. But still, um, I, I would respect it if. Uh, if we don't have to come back to the dressing room after we go out. It's uh, a little bit um, too much when uh, you throw a flare to family stand. I, I think that doesn't belong in, in our sense. If uh, your wife and child would have been sitting in that stand, what, have, what would your view have been? 
I don't know, maybe I would do what uh, Tobias Sana did in Jeteborg uh, a couple of years ago with the corner flag. If, if I saw somebody throw a flag to, towards my family. Your family comes to derbies too? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, looking from where you come from, if you see uh, Belgrade, derbies, I mean, there's a lot of uh, flares and things. They don't go off from the pitch and warm up as we do here in Sweden. No, no, no you just what, keep what's on playing. Your, yeah, what's your view? What should we do in Sweden? I would rather play on. I mean, I played a derby in Serbia where half of the stadium was burning and we were still playing. I don't mean in that way, but also a little bit of uh, smoke going back in. Poof, I think that really killed my buzz before the derby against Jurgården. Going back to dressing room after warm up for 30 minutes. I, I know what happened there, but uh, I completely lost the adrenaline, I have to be honest. And uh, then you think, do you even want to play now or should we stop this game? And it destroyed my derby feeling, definitely, these 30 minutes. Would you have liked to postpone the game instead? I would rather play it some other time than uh, go, coming back after 40, 30 minutes and then half time again. I, I really don't like it. Did I listen to? You? Did I talk to you, players, about this? Because it was quite a long time. They had these discussions: what they should do and not. No, do. they just gave us uh, info when the the game should start, so we don't have any part in it. You would have wanted to play on from the beginning or postpone it. Exactly. Either play the game or this waiting thirty minutes, forty five minutes. It just kills the the adrenaline, the buzz, and uh, it killed my my derby feeling for sure. Going into the game against AIK, it will be over 40,000 people. How How is it to go into a game like that? You live for games like this. I just hope they lose in the weekend and we win. And then the uh, Stockholm Derby that might decide the, the title in, in Sweden. I, I don't think that has happened uh, before. So I think it should be like the biggest game in in Allsvenskan uh, in the past 10 years or something. Is there any feeling of that you can be afraid of what would happen? I mean, the fans are uh, lively and uh, sometimes they're mad. Uh, that's okay. Uh, I can also be mad. I mean, whatever happens in the derby, I've been through a lot in my life, so I will never say I'm scared of these kind of things. Whatever happens, it happens, but I'm not scared. Going into the derby, it's kind of your last chance. You have to beat AIK. How, how will that affect you? It's uh, extra pressure for sure, but as I said, <laughs> we got nothing to lose. We want to go all in and uh, I live for games like this. I, I can't wait for it, but still, I would rather think about Monday first. I don't want to spill any more points. But if you look at the AIK seasons, you, you talked about it before, that they haven't hardly made any mistakes. Well, is it anything that impresses you with AIK? Yeah, their coach. In what way? Uh, that uh, stability they have in the team, how solid they are, and the way they play on result, it's impressive. It's not nice football, but uh, also when they have so much uh, games without losing, then the confidence grows and then the game comes to you and then it's easier to play and then suddenly you can also play beautiful football. But it all came from that then when they were not playing good football, they were struggling, they still got the points, they still got the results and for me that's coach stamp on it all day long, so a lot of respect for him. Football-wise, which team in Stockholm plays the best football? Hammarby. Why? Uh, we, we play offensive football, we play modern football, and uh, we risk much more than the others, maybe, but also we have uh, most skillful players. And uh, now you've signed on for a contract until 2021. Uh, what convinced you of staying and not going on another adventure? I I just had a really good feeling about it and I feel good here. I play good football and uh, I'm enjoying Stockholm right now. I'm enjoying Hammarby. So um, it's it was uh, the logical thing to do. It must have been a good contract after you started the season so well and going into... You yeah, could have been a bossman. This. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I also... Uh, uh, the point when uh, Jesper called me to join Hammerby was uh, not my best time in career after two goals in half season in Randers playing as a number six. So not uh, everybody could recognize that uh, I'm going to get back on my feet very fast. He did and uh, in one way this was my uh, 
payback to to Jesper for the trust he gave me, and uh, I wanted I wanted to do it. A lot of fans were worried the other day when you were out flying with your agent. You were just in Copenhagen. Yeah, we. <laughs> Is it uh, playing with the thing or? Uh, It's making people worried or is it just a joke that was that was not uh, that was not uh, the point for sure but uh, people around hammer be a little bit extra emotional sometimes and uh, yeah but it was no no meaning to to stress anybody or anything i'm here and yeah no worries about that When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Sommarens nyförvärv från norska Haugesund Nikola Djurgic som blev matchhjälte Han gjorde ett äkta hattrick På en kvart Först var han framme på en retur efter Mattias Lindströms skott Serbens andra prickades in Från straffpunkten Och Djurgic tredje och Helsingborgs Fjärde för dagen kom efter fint samarbete Där Rashid Boasan snyggt Spelade fram Serben som med målet Satte punkt Bra här för Malmö FF där Kvitterar Nikola Djordic gör sitt andra mål i matchen Djordic och tappar målet om Djordic får kajomläge och gör 1-0 Rosenberg lämnar vidare till Berget Tillbaka till Rosenberg och titta på Malmö FF Djordic Det tog inte lång tid för Nikola Djordic att göra sig ett namn i svensk fotboll de regerande mästarna Helsingborgs IF värvade in honom hösten 2012 för att stärka upp offensiven inför det kommande Europaspelet. Och Djordic betalade tillbaka med 10 mål på 11 allsvenska matcher och därtill fyra fullträffar i Europa League. De flesta menade att Serben var för bra för allsvenskan och mycket riktigt blev det bara en halv säsong i Sverige den gången. Efter ett par skadeskjuta säsonger i Bundesliga återförenades han med Åge Harajde i Allsvenskan, den här gången i Malmö FF. Men trots Champions League-avancemang och en hel del poäng berättar han nu att han aldrig riktigt kände något förtroende från sportchefen Daniel Andersson. Going back to uh, Serbia where you come from and where you kind of took your first football steps... In what way did that uh, make you as a player, the way you play in Serbian football, that football is maybe a way out from going to some countries that are you make more money? Um, maybe not that much football, but the life in Serbia makes you choose either you're going to drive taxi back home, with all due respect to taxi drivers, but it's not the best thing to do back home, or you're going to play sports and uh, find your way through uh, to go outside the country. So uh, for me it was that also the war that changed a little bit 
gives you that survival mentality. So, uh, as I said, you, you're not scared from some things that the other people are, and uh, your uh, pain levels are a little bit higher. So you can take a lot of stuff, and uh, uh, in that way, the, my character was formed uh, when I was very young. So um, I think it also affects my style of playing and my courage and my confidence. Growing up uh, in in Serbia, and that was the bombings, uh, the NATO bombings in the late 90s, uh, how, how did that affect you as a child? I was scared at the beginning a lot. Uh, but then we were still kids and we just realized, oh, we're not going to school, we can play football all day long when we're not in the shelter. So it was fun, actually, until... You hear the bombs dropping around and um, glasses on the buildings are exploding. So, uh, yeah, it was maybe if I was a bit older, I would be more scared. But uh, as a 12, 13 year old, I was just happy I'm not going to school. And uh, was football as important for you then as it is now when you were a kid? Did you see that as a way of yeah. making a living? Yeah, actually, it was all time. But also, I was very talented in basketball, so I was, I could choose what I do. But um, football, always that smell of the grass and that uh, feeling when you score a goal—it's nothing beats that. If you look at the, the the countries that export players, Serbia is number four uh, after Brazil, Argentina, and France. Much bigger countries, and in pretty much the same with Croatia. What is it that you have in these small countries, the love of the ball and the, the I mean, both basketball, handball, football? How come? Uh, it's so important for you and that you're so good at it. And also, I also have to come back to the lifestyle back home. And if you want to do something, sometimes you don't have a choice. And, uh, you know, kids, for example, in Scandinavia, they always have a choice what to do, nobody's going to put pressure on them because they can choose if they're going to stay home, play video games, they're well taken care of for maybe the rest of the life. The country, the government, they're going to take care of you. You're always going to have... In Serbia, it's not like that. You don't really have a choice if you want to go to training or not. I never had a choice if I'm going to at least go 100% in or not. So maybe that's a little bit the difference that that makes that mentality for me. It's... Uh, but was that your parents or was it the society? Not just the parents, society. You see around yourself, you don't really have a choice. If you want to make something in your life, you have to go all in. And I'm not sure that, for example, there is maybe, I've seen some talented players in Scandinavia, some players that played with me that get offered to go to Germany. They don't want to go. They don't want to go away from their friends. They're in their comfort zone and we, we don't have that luxury to be in our comfort zone. We go a little bit harder, we go... I, I think we, our mentality is a little bit stronger also. So, But uh, I don't mean to disrespect anybody, but I think that's also Balkan players' uh, most, biggest strength. When did you make that choice between basketball and football? What age? Uh, 15, I think. 15, yeah. Uh, because uh, I suddenly... I was very skinny uh, and small when I was a kid and then suddenly started growing and... Suddenly, the skills I had, I could actually use them on the pitch. And I was thinking, ah, okay, this is going to be good. And then I, when I was 16, I think I scored like 40 goals in the youth league back home. And I was thinking, like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Did you see, did you have a, a, your aim was to leave Serbia and come out and be a professional? Yeah, for sure, always. But I came out very late and I lost some years in Serbia with crazy reasons, but uh, I came uh, out from Serbia when I was 22 and a half and I came to like uh, first division in Norway and I had to go on trial. And if so you say to somebody who comes with 23 years to first division in Norway... Which is the second division. Which is, uh, no, that's like Super Etan. Yeah, Still, exactly. Still, it's not the highest level. No. But if you say to uh, this guy who is 23 years old going on trial there, uh, that one day he's going to play for national team, he's going to play Bundesliga, he's going to play Champions League, I would say it's most unlikely. But I think my head, my head, my mentality took me through. And I went, went all the way around, but I got where I wanted. Uh, that was when you played for uh, Vostovac? Uh, yes. 
in in Belgium. What happened there? Because you started out well, but it didn't turn out that well. I started out well in the top league. Uh, I was maybe third or fourth goal scorer in that season, but we were relegated. And when I had offers, when I played for under 21 national team, they didn't want to let me go. And then I had one year when I broke my leg uh, three times, lost one and a half year, and then it was already, I was 22 and a half, and uh, nobody really wanted me, and uh, I had to go on trial to Howison. How come you didn't give up and started driving taxi? My head. Exactly, that's my mentality. That's what made me strong. And um, that's when I grew up, this one and a half year, I grew up. In a, in a football world in Serbia, can you trust people? No. Uh, why not? You cannot trust anybody uh, around football, agents, uh, presidents, sports directors. It's... Um, uh, a lot of people that uh, don't have anything to do with football that are actually on those positions. So, a lot of criminal and uh, uh, it's, uh, it's... I went there two years ago back to Serbia. That was my biggest mistake in career. And I will never, never do that again. Yeah, because we're going to talk about the other clubs, but you decided that when you were in Bundesliga to return and play for Partizan Belgrade, which I understand is the club you supported as a kid. What went wrong there? Everything. Two weeks after I came to the club, or three weeks. We didn't qualify for Europa League. Uh, we lost in the qualifiers. The coach was sacked. Everything went to hell. The fans went crazy. We played 0-0 first game in the league. It's like the whole world was falling apart. Everything. This is the end of the world. So these three players that uh, they brought in in the summer me and two other guys that were the big signings they wanted us away four weeks after we came so one guy actually left like six weeks after he came and uh, i didn't want to go but i stayed six months but that was the not good time for me were you paid uh no i was maybe 30 percent was what i was supposed to be paid so uh, there has, and it's there not... had to be a settlement at the end. I just wanted to go, so I accepted some things just to go. So how uh, how are the fans? Some of the fans are pretty tough there. Yeah, uh, actually, the the fans I have a really good connection with them even there. But uh, still, I was not playing good there. I was not feeling well, and uh, a lot of guys were suffering uh, in the team. You know when the Fans come to your trainings, they come to your restaurant at the lunch, where the team has the lunch, and then next to sports director or president, they're standing and saying to you, what you're going to do, what you have to do, what you're... They're going to punish us in this way, that way. It has nothing to do with football, so... Were you beaten? No. Were you afraid? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how is it possible to play football when you're afraid? I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, you lose it. You, you don't feel like playing football. You feel like somebody is uh, punishing you by letting you play football. Did you ever think of not playing anymore or did you just want to get out of it? I just wanted to get out. just wanted to get out. And I couldn't believe that I was actually begging people from Augsburg to, to sell me to back, back to Serbia. Everybody, when everybody wants to go to Bundesliga, uh, I, I was begging them to let me go to play for my childhood club. Why was that? was my biggest dream to play for them. And uh, uh, my wife was pregnant at the time, was supposed to give birth to my daughter back home, and I wanted to be there. So I... I I just thought like, yeah, this is the right thing to do and uh, what a mistake. I still I still don't believe what I did. Would you go back and play in Serbia? Never ever again in my life. Going back to when you left Serbia the first time and you went to Haugesund, how come you ended up in Haugesund in a in a Superettan club in Norway on a trial. It sounds kind of it's unrealistic. Crazy. It's crazy. They saw my video somewhere and they want to see me on trial. And uh, I, was, uh, I was actually uh, third day of trial. They told me, Nico, you're a good player and everything, but 
we are not looking for this type of player. And I got so disappointed because I was thinking I was doing well on trainings. And it was Thursday and they told me I can go. And my flight was on Saturday evening. And I got so insulted and I didn't want to train on Thursday and Friday. I was injured, my knee was hurting. And then on Saturday, I was waiting for my flight two days in the room. And then on Saturday, I was thinking, OK, if, if I don't stay here, I'm going back to Serbia to play and then I'm done. Uh, and I still remember there was this ibuprofen tablets at the time. They were pink. My mother put in my bag. I just took a full hand, took it in, knocked on the sports director door and said, I want to play the game today. I came out, I destroyed, I, 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 we played against Silkeborg, I remember, I destroyed them. And I remember the game was over and both sports director Haugis and the sports director of Silkeborg were chasing me <laughs> to, to give me contract after the game. So it all turned around like this with that game and uh, I was that close. If I took a flight on Thursday, I would probably, as I said, be driving taxi back in Serbia right now. And it's a story that also a sports director from Haugesund likes to say from time to time how small margins in football are because two years later I was player of the year in uh, Tipoli and in Norway. Yeah, and how come you uh, had such a great development in Norway? You scored a lot of goals. Uh, how come it, everything fell in the right p- uh, position there? Uh, I have to say one name, Eric Holmland. He was a player when I came and after that assistant coach and uh, also Justin Greenhow, the, the coach, but uh, Eric Hornland is the guy who, who was the best coach I ever had in my career and the guy who taught me the most in football. The guy who taught me to play both ways, uh, repressure, high pressure, the person I respect most in, uh, in football, uh, it's Eric Hornland. So he is at the moment now first coach in Hauvison. So uh, I was lucky to have him. And uh, after you, you did really well, uh, you ended up in Helsingborg on, on loan and for half a year. They had kind of like an option to buy you, but it was probable that you would go to other clubs. But how did you reason when you went to Helsingborg for half a year? Uh, I was a player of the year in Norway. I was a top scorer at the half season in Norway. I was like five, six goals, half a second. And I couldn't get an offer from a club from top five leagues. And I wanted to go to Germany so bad. And then I realized if I don't play Europe or Europa League, I'm never going to get to those leagues. And then Olga Haraide called me and he said, we play Champions League qualifier. If you lose, we are in group stage of Europa League. So that's your chance. And I took the chance and I scored four goals in the group stage in Europa League. And uh, finally, even Greuterfeld, that was one of the small clubs in Bundesliga, when the call came, I didn't think for two seconds. I was on my way to Germany and uh, uh, yeah, I made my dream come true. How was your half a year in Helsingborg? Oh, good. Good, really good. I think I scored a goal per game in Dalsvenskan and then in Europa. It was good. I remember it was short, but uh, fun. And uh, I met some really nice guys and uh, made some really good friends. Helsingborg was a fantastic, fantastic move. But uh, there was no uh, no hesitation when a Bundesliga club came. You had a pretty good start there, but also there you got an injury. Yeah. I scored uh, five, six goals in Bundesliga in half season in the club that relegated, which was pretty good. I got some offers and I was very close to signing for Celtic uh, after these six months. And uh, when the third offer from Celtic came and when the clubs were close to to making agreement, I, I the season already started in second league in Bundesliga beginning of August and I had ACL rupture, so six months out and then start not from zero, you start from minus. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of typical with the... the when you're so close of taking a, a next step in a big club and uh, you have to start over again. Uh, you, you stay there, but you signed for Augsburg. Uh, how, how come they were interested after? Uh, because uh, uh, we had two friendly games again against Augsburg where I scored some nice goals. And uh, also the game in Bundesliga the year before we played in Augsburg, I was uh, very good. And 
Uh, also, the operation I did my knee was uh, performed by the doctor of Augsburg. So he monitored my recovery. He knew that I was fit and he saw me working in the gym on my recovery. He saw me six, seven hours per day in the gym. And uh, when they asked him about me, he said, yeah, this guy, he's, he's got the mentality. So they even paid, paid almost 1.5 million euros for me, which for a guy who had like four months ago, came back from uh, this injury was, I was 28. It was a lot of money. So. Uh, yeah, but uh, it was a it was a nice move, but it didn't really work out. Now, how come? It, it, I mean, you've changed club uh, many times. Uh, how come it sometimes works out and sometimes not? Yeah. Also, the thing is that I maybe I get too disappointed when I'm not starting all the games. And in Augsburg, we had the coach who was rotating our us strikers, four strikers. We were like, you never know if you're gonna be. First eleven bench or tribune, and it was like rotating every week. Uh, there was so I was sometimes from Wednesday not being in the squad, Saturday playing in the first eleven, and the other way around. And I think top scorer from the strikers had three goals in that season in Augsburg, but the team was doing so well. But all the goals were coming from the wingers, from the midfielders, defenders. And the strikers were suffering, but they had a lot of big important uh, role in defensive work. So we finished fifth. I played more than a half games. Uh, and that year in Bundesliga, we finished in front of Dortmund Schalke. So it was biggest success. We came directly to Europa League. Biggest success in history of Augsburg. So we beat Bayern Munich away, Dortmund away, Gladbach away, Schalke away. It was crazy season. Uh, and uh, uh, you cannot really complain when the things are going so well until uh, seven eight games before the end of the season when i got substituted at halftime when i thought i had a really good game i reacted smashed the door in the dressing room in the halftime and you don't get to do that in germany and uh, last eight games in the season i was not in the squad and uh, that was my end in augsburg did they say anything did I ask you why did you smash the door or, or uh, did you know that? Somehow I had a feeling it was the easy solution because some of the strikers needed to be out. <laughs> uh, there was, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, they actually wanted to give me another chance uh, after that season and they wanted me to stay. But uh, Malmo came and um, I didn't feel like going through that again, playing one game, going to Tribune. It's just so hard to get any confidence, and uh, I, I, I knew with this coach, uh, for me there is no, not real future. So, yeah, I decided to move. You came to Malmo. How was it to go from? I mean, you played for the biggest rival, Helsingborg, and then you go and play for Malmo. Did you react? I, I, for the fans, it's something, but I, I understand that you who come and play for a lot of clubs maybe don't think the same way as the fans. But how did you think about that? I think I would think differently if I stayed in Helsingborg for two or three years, if I had this real connection with them. But the thing is, I was there for four months and maybe I didn't really feel it uh, that much that I belonged to Helsingborg and that I was really Helsingborg player. And when you're there on loan for four months, the chemistry doesn't really... So, to be honest, I didn't have problem doing that. And I don't think I did something wrong. But, on the other hand, I know if I was there for two or three years, I, I would never go to biggest rival from Haugesund. Because I felt like, yeah, I'm the Haugesund guy. So, I didn't feel that in Helsingborg because simply I was there for too short time. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Olga as well, he was coach of Helsingborg and then he was coach of Malmö. So, for me... In that way, I was thinking, yeah, if he can do it, I can do it. Going into Malmö, you had quite successful in... You didn't win the league, but you went into the Champions League and played all, all those great games. How how do you look back at your half a year in, in Malmö? I just remember the pain. I was injured almost all the time with my groin. Uh, but it was an amazing trip to, to Champions League. And... Uh, uh, also, Malmö has something special in their culture. There, this European uh, tradition they have. This Malmö is a little bit special club, and um, also uh, a lot of friends there. A lot of Balkan people in Malmö, 
behind the goal in the stands, a lot of Balkan people. So it was nice. It was fun. I think they they really loved me there. I had a lot of success. But uh, I already know that when we go play their way, I'm, they're not going to be so friendly. No, how do you expect the, the reception? Oh, I'm happy that there is four of us now. Me, Hamad, uh, Villan and Radish that are going to be. But uh, I know there's going to be some booze and some ugly words. But I like that about football. It has to be like that. Either love me or hate me. Nothing in between. Going to the end in your Malmö period... Was it the Malmö who didn't want to keep you or was it that you didn't want to stay? You kind of just disappeared and suddenly you turned up at the Augsburg yeah. training. Uh, uh, I had the operation end of November and I think they really were afraid how I'm going to be after the operation. And also I never really had this connection with uh, Daniel Anderson uh, that I had, for example, with Oger, that I had with Jesper. I never... Thought, I never felt like he really respects me as a player, which is nothing. I mean, it's uh, how people feel about the taste. I never felt like he really uh, respected me as a player, but that's okay. So uh, I know they wanted to take me in the beginning. After that, uh, we. I just felt also I didn't want to stay. And it was unrealistic as well with Augsburg asking a lot of money. It was never even close. So... Uh, it was, but you never really had any goodbye. You kind of just disappeared, or exactly, and that's what maybe hurts a little bit because I think we also had a lot of success there, and uh, maybe somebody should just come and say, "Okay, thank you, shake your hand, thank you for your time in Malmo, whatever, give me a small present, say goodbye." But I felt like the day we played that last game against Real Madrid, lost, embarrassing. Okay, just get get away from here. Sounds kind of tough. Yeah, that's how I felt. I really felt we sep- uh, split up in a really ugly way, considering how it all started. And it was unrealistic to go to Champions League with that team that uh, I came to. They were number eight or nine in uh, Allsvenskan, and the guys were not really looking good. They barely beat Jalgiris when I came there. And we took out Celtic and Salzburg, deservedly, both games. We came to Champions League, we beat Shakhtar. In the league, we almost didn't lose any game. I think we lost one game since I came to the club. And uh, to split up like that without anything, I don't know. For me, it was... There was also really nice times, but I felt at the end that we didn't split up in the right way. Football, I mean, you've changed clubs a lot and you've also talked about a lot that all the mistakes, choosing clubs. It seems like a really, uh, I mean, it can be beautiful, but it can also be a really ugly business. I mean, not really people being that nice to him. It's just business. They yeah, it can be. But also, uh, I've been uh, also making mistakes, making bad decisions career-wise. As also how it is when you make decisions on the pitch when you play a game, it's also what you do off the pitch. And I've been first partisan, uh, then uh, uh, going back to Augsburg, trying to get along with the coach again. Uh, same thing happens three weeks later, going to Düsseldorf, and then even worse, going to Randers. That Those three decisions, I don't know which was, one was the worst. And uh, uh, that's all my... And uh, I suffered a lot because of that. Did you take those decisions on your own, or did did you you didn't have an agent, or? No, it was mostly my decisions and uh, my mistakes. And how do you? I'm curious that how do you uh, take those decisions? I mean, going to Randos. I mean, that was unexplainable. Uh, two hours, three hours before the transfer window ends, 31st of January, I'm injured. Like in Serbia, uh, uh, I had the offer to go to Kiev three days before and I couldn't pass the medical test. And uh, this thing goes to hell, Serie A club. And then uh, you're not paid for five months in a row in the Partizan. Uh, you don't want to be there. And then Randers comes up and says three hours before the transfer ends, OK, we come here, we're going to give you whatever time you need to recover. Just sign, blah, 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 say, 
thinking Denmark, Scandinavia was fantastic, has to be their number three at the table, okay, should go there. I signed there almost before the midnight and then like after midnight I looked at the club, at the city, whatever, where I signed and... After you signed? Yes, actually, actually yes. And uh, uh, yeah, I just the mentality of people there is... I really didn't didn't like it. The, they're special a little bit. For me, it was a little bit too much. And uh, in I, what way are they special? Uh, I don't think uh, uh, they were so open to foreigners. Uh, I think they wanted uh, uh, guys who's gonna just do this with the head. Yes, no. They don't make problems. They don't talk too much. They don't uh, show off. They don't wanna go with big words in public. Uh, it's okay if you don't win a game, just keep quiet. Uh, if you lose, no, no, doesn't matter. Monday is a new day. Uh, everything I hate, everything that I hate was there. And I was playing maybe number eight, number six on the field. I was, I was hating, uh, hating uh, everything at the time. I didn't feel good going to the games, and football doesn't make fun then. So. And then I realized, okay, are you going to save your career? What are you going to do? I just have to break a contract and make once a smart decision. So that's why I took one month waiting for Hammer because I felt this is the right. No more two-hour decisions, no more following your heart. No, this is the smart decision. This is what you're going to wait for. This is what you're going to do. Uh, as you talk about the, the things you hate, you, you're kind of, when we journalists talk to you, you're kind of outspoken and... Uh, Maybe not as uh, polished as some other players. Do you? Do you? Uh, how do you think about that? Uh, we're going to win the uh, gold, or we're going to. Most people in Swedish football wouldn't say like that. But uh, I don't choose my words sometimes. But I don't think. I think it's okay to go out and say you're going to win something and don't win it. I think it's okay. As long as you get this mentality that you really want to go for it, I don't think it's uh, it's embarrassing not to win it. I think it's sometimes disappointing not to go for it and to be humble. And career football career is too short to be humble always. And sometimes it's smart, but uh, I like to be aggressive. I like to show that we are there. And uh, I think that's what changed this year, that we came out and we said, OK, we gave statements. Yeah, we're going to go for it. Everybody was laughing to Muyo uh, 10 months ago. but uh, uh, That's Tankovic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. But uh, I like that attitude. I like it. I don't feel it's embarrassing if you say you're going to win the title and you don't win it. But uh, I didn't say it because I'm stupid or crazy. I said it because I saw that there is something in this team. And I still believe we're going to win the title, I'm sure. Rodic coming here, who's also from Serbia, you played together in Malmö. How involved were you in that process? He was in Denmark in Randos too. Uh, yeah, I maybe gave some advice to, to uh, Jesper and Mikael Jönberg, but they already knew about him. And uh, he's been playing in Malmö as well. He, he's well known in Sweden. And uh, he was maybe also this kind of prospect as I was at the time. They just need somebody to recognize him. And uh, he had amazing six months in Silkeborg. And uh, I, I was sure if he comes here, it's going to be a perfect match. So, so far, he's been, he's been fantastic. And I don't want to jinx him now, but I expect a lot from him. Uh, you're playing until 2021. What do you see after your career? I mean, you're not going to play for I'm 10 more years. I'm going to play for a long time. I know that for sure. With my body, I hope avoid injuries but I know I can play for a long time but I want to stay in football that's for sure um, as a, a coach sports director agent I don't know but I'm gonna look into that but I think I've been through a lot in football and uh, I think I can help a lot of others as well and uh, uh, I also learned a lot I know I, I know I know football and uh, I should use it Sometimes in, in Sweden we think that here is kind of 
well organized and it's not uh, like in other countries, uh, maybe more corrupt football and things like that. What's your view of being here in Sweden? Can you trust people here in Sweden? Yeah, for sure. I do. I have a feeling that somebody would come to you with something unregular. I think uh, they would first call psychiatrists, then police. Like, what are you thinking? To do this in Sweden? No. It's a taboo here and I like it. It's uh, it's clean. So are you thinking of staying here in after? Yeah, yeah I like it. It's also the long term, especially when you want to have family and I would rather have my kids growing up here. But you said that one of the best things in your career was doing playing for the national team. You played one game. Uh, yeah, I played one game. I was on the bench six, seven times, but that's a dream come true. How come it wasn't more than that? Uh, my injury came, my ACL came, uh, and then uh, also Serbia national team. It's so much uh, competition, it's crazy because uh, mo- almost always the strikers have been playing in Premier League uh, or uh, top scorers in France, Italy. So if you're not up there every weekend scoring goals, you don't get to play for Serbia. And uh, uh, when I went uh, to Malmö, it was already, I was not even close there. So I need, I say, often when they ask me, I think I need like three earthquakes, uh, 25 injuries and uh, something more to get to the wide list back again. Uh, there's a lot of good players in Serbia. It's really hard to get there. Yeah, it is. So that you put on the side. Now it's Hammarby. And, uh... ah, yeah, for sure. It's always a national team for me. It's always the holy thing. Uh, you don't say no to, but um, at the time I just look at Hammarby. Thank you very much. Thank you. Podden är tillbaka och eh, tanken är att köra varje måndag. Och eh, inom några veckor så är det dags för den filmade podden. Och är det några tankar, idéer eller eh, synpunkter så är det bara att höra av sig. Och enklast gör ni det via Twitter Olof Lund eller Instagram Olof Lund eller via mail olof.lund tv4.se Tack så mycket för den här veckan. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 